the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. We have to face all kinds of trials and difficulties. Look, even in Isaiah 53, 3, the prophet said about Jesus, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Now he adds, take heart, I've overcome the world so we can be encouraged. But he also gives us a spoonful of reality. In this world, you will have trouble. It's part of the journey. It's life and life's experiences. There may be a valley of Baca that we have to pass through. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. Some make the mistake of thinking that in becoming a Christian, they will no longer have hardships throughout their lives. Pastor Gary reminds us today that this is not the case. If we look to Jesus himself, we will quickly see that he had struggles throughout his life. He, the Son of God, experienced sadness, disappointment, and much hardship. As such, there is no reason for us to not expect similar problems. The thing to remember through all of it, though, is that he promises us his kingdom after this life. There we will find great joy. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 84 for part two of today's message titled, Journey Through the Valley. He adds in verse 10, he talks about how it is better to spend one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. He said, given the opportunity to spend a thousand days at the most wonderful, luxurious place I could possibly think, just give me one day, one day in the house of God. Oh, how much better it is one day than a thousand anywhere else. He even mentions in verse 10 also, he talks about how it is better to be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. A doorkeeper in Hebrew literally is one who stands at the threshold and looks in. He says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper looking in. I'd I'd rather be on the outside of God's house wanting to get in than on the inside of anywhere else wanting to get out. He goes, "This, this is my dream and my desire to be a doorkeeper. Just let me stand at the threshold and look in to the house of God. And by the way, a good place right here for me to just give a shout out and a word of appreciation to our doorkeepers here at Cornerstone, the greeters who welcome you with a smile and hold the door open as you come and go. Aren't they wonderful? 
But I want you to notice with me, it's in the middle of this chapter where the tone changes from all of this excitement and all this exuberance. And there's kind of this reality check in the middle of the chapter, verses 6 and 7. He says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Now, what is he talking about here? He mentions the valley of Baca. Underline that or highlight it in your Bibles. It is the only place in the entire Bible where this valley is mentioned. The valley of Baca is not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. And for that reason, most Bible scholars believe that it is not a literal geographical location. Because there's no other archaeological or biblical evidence to support the fact that there may actually be a valley of Baca. And because there is no other reference to the valley of Baca, most Bible scholars believe that it is not a literal place, but that the psalmist is using literary allegorical terms to communicate something bigger. It's a picture. The valley of Baca represents something. Baca in Hebrew, it's spelled with a K actually, B-A-K-A in Hebrew. Baca in Hebrew translates weeping, mourning, grieving. He says they pass through the valley of weeping. He talks about how on the journey to God, there is sometimes the valley of weeping. It's not all this thrilling exuberance every day. There are some hard days. There's some dark valleys. There are some places of sorrow. And this is what he writes about here. Now, when I read Psalm 84, I see it as a parallel. Now, it's a literal story about a, a real pilgrimage among real people going to a real house of God in the real city of Jerusalem. It's a real story, but there's a parallel. Often in Scripture, the Bible gives a dual meaning to things so that we can understand its application, not just its context, but also its application. And when I read Psalm 84, I see it as a parallel. We are also on a journey. We are, if you will, making pilgrimage. Life is a journey. And there is an ultimate destination. He even says there in verse 7, the ultimate destination even of their pilgrimage. He says, till everyone appears before God in Zion. That's what he says there in verse 7. That's the end of the destination. They have this wonderful journey along the way. They're coming to Jerusalem. They're going up to the temple. It's a wonderful thing. We get to commune with God. And he says, till everyone appears before God in Zion. We're on a a journey too. And all of us will end the pilgrimage one day standing before God. Not in Zion, but in heaven. God will once again, there's a whole other story about the millennial kingdom and God coming down, heaven on earth, and God will rule again from Zion. But all of us will face God one day, and all of us will stand before him. That is the ultimate destination of our journey too. And we will have to give an account for our lives. Now, that shouldn't be a fearful thing. I, I don't want that to breed fear in your life. That's, a, that's For me personally, that's a wonderful thing because I know that Christ has died for my sins 
and I've accepted him into my heart. So one day when I stand before God, I know that he's going to receive me based on what Christ has done on my behalf. And I'm forgiven. And so I'm going to have entrance into heaven. It's not a fearful thing. It's a joyful anticipation of being with God forever and ever. Whenever that day comes. All the days ordained for me were written in his book before one of them came to be, the psalmist says. So it is for you too. That's a joyful day for people who know Christ. Jesus even said in John 5, 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He is passed from death to life. That's why Paul adds in Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Because of Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. It's a free thing what God has done for us through Christ. And if you know him as your savior, when you reach that ultimate destination of standing before God, it's going to be a wonderful day of rejoicing because your offenses and crimes and sins have been paid for on the cross. So God will receive us and welcome us into our eternal reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. Not because of what we've done, because of what Christ has done on our behalf. You too can know Christ as your Savior. Invite him into your life. Pray that he would forgive you of your sins and so that you don't have to fear one day standing before God. But it is the ultimate destination for all of us. Meantime, we live in this life. We live out our life on earth and there will be times that we will pass through the Valley of Baca. I don't know if somebody told you that when you became a Christian, you have no more problems and no more, you know, anything wrong. It's all going to be, you know, butterflies and rainbows. Let me tell you something. I don't, that's the gospel of the candy man. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right. When, when you become a Christian, now I know in whom I have hoped. Now I know who will rescue me and be my strength and be my help. But there will be valleys of Baca along the way. And we need to prepare ourselves for this reality. The, the road of life is not always paved with ease and comfort. There will be times of weeping. There will be times of mourning. There will be times of grief. And I don't care how much you have or how much you think you have your act together. The Valley of Baca is something all of us at some point will pass through. On this journey toward the destination of being with the Lord. In 1976, Elvis Presley performed his last performance at the Las Vegas Hilton. And then he went up to his hotel room and he scribbled a note on the notepad that was beside his bed on the end table. You know how every hotel has like a little notepad? Elvis Presley scribbled a note. It was actually a prayer to God. And then he tore off the piece of paper, crumpled it up and threw it in his trash can. One of his handlers recovered the note, and after Elvis died, sold it at a Sotheby's auction. And you know who bought it? Was entertainer Wayne Newton. Wayne Newton bought this crumpled up note that Elvis Presley had written, and from that, in 1992, Wayne Newton wrote a song called The Letter. Now, I'm not going to read you the song, neither will I sing it, but... I do want to read to you the note that Elvis Presley wrote on one night when he was in the Valley of Baca. Quote, I feel so alone sometimes. The night is quiet for me. I'd love to be able to sleep. 
I am glad that everyone is gone now. I'll probably not rest. I have no need for all this. Help me, Lord. End quote. See, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how famous you are or good-looking you are or wealthy you are, how many fans you have. You can still be lonely and miserable. There's a valley of Baca that all of us will likely pass through, maybe not to this degree. But at some point, we have to face all kinds of trials and difficulties. Look, even in Isaiah 53, 3, the prophet said about Jesus, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Now he adds, take heart, I've overcome the world so we can be encouraged. But he also gives us a spoonful of reality. In this world, you will have trouble. It's part of the journey. It's life and life's experiences. There may be a valley of Baca that we have to pass through. Now, in the course, though, of this verse here, particularly verse 6, I want you to note with me. The psalmist actually tells us some important things to remember. In verse 6, well, let me read verse 5 again so we get running up to it. He says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. First part of verse 6. As they pass through the valley of Baca. Okay, for you note takers, just write this first point down. We will not be in the valley forever. We will get through it. Because he says, as they pass through. All right, there is a passing through the valley of Baca. He doesn't say as they dwell or stop there or live there. He says, as they pass, there's a passing through sometimes. Some hard places, some sorrowful places, some difficult places. But as they pass through, we will not be in the valley forever. We will get through it. He adds also in verse 6, when he says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, he adds, they make it a place of springs. They make it a place of springs. Now, some translations say springs, like mine does. Some translations say wells. All right, the bottom line is spring or wells, it's a place of refreshing. And while some translations say springs and some say wells, all the major translations, King James, New King James, NIV, ESV, ASV, all the major translations say they will make it a place of springs or a place of wells. They will make it. So I want to I mention the second point right here from this verse. But I, I want you to hear me because I mean this with all gentleness. And I want to be careful how I say this. I don't want anybody to ever think that I'm suggesting, and if anybody ever suggests this to you, shame on them, that you should just get over it. You know, when you're, when you're in a bad place, the worst thing is when somebody just, you know, you just need to get over it. Just get over it, Okay. It's not what I'm insinuating at all. But when I look at this verse, and I see how it says, they pass through the valley of Baca, and they make it a place of springs. Who's they? It's the ones in the valley. Which means this, number two, we bear some responsibility in making something better of our valley. I say that in all gentleness and with respect. But we bear some responsibility of making something better of our valley. If we are not careful, we can grow accustomed to being in a bad place. It can almost seem normal to us. 
We can grow comfortable in our grief or our bitterness or our unforgiveness or our fear or our sorrow or whatever is represented by the Baca Valley. It becomes so familiar to us that we don't know anything else because we've stayed there so long. And we do bear some responsibility in making something better of our valley. They made it a place of springs. They made it a place of wells. They turned this valley into a place of refreshing. Now, I believe within chapter 84 here, the psalmist tells us here's three things that we can do in a very practical way. How can we kind of make our valley more like a spring? There's three things. And, and I take these three things from Psalm 84 based on the word blessed. There are three times that the psalmist in chapter 84 says you'll be blessed if you do this, this, and this. It's verse 4, verse 5, and verse 12. You'll see the word blessed is the man or blessed is the woman who does this. Verse 4, 5, and 12. Now, before we look at those verses, I want to mention this. The word blessed, be careful, because in our Western mindset, we've kind of interpreted the word blessed as, I have the favor and prosperity of God. All right? That's a, that's a little too Western for me. It appeals to our greed, but it's not all that biblical. All right? The word blessed in the Hebrew is a Hebrew word, esher. E-S-H-E-R, Esher. And it literally translates, oh, how happy. Oh, how happy. So when you read the word blessed, you could actually insert that literal translation, oh, how happy. Let's look first at verse 4. I've got three subtitles under point number 2 here, okay? So don't lose me. But under point number 2, what is it we can actually be doing in the valley? Here's the first thing. Look at verse 4. Blessed. Or, oh, how happy are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And then notice often to the interior of your Bible, right after that verse, it says the word selah. It's a Hebrew word that means pause right there and contemplate what you just read. Selah. So I'm going to read it again. Blessed, or oh, how happy are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Here's the first thing that we can be doing when we find ourselves in the Baca Valley is worship the Lord. You say, that's kind of counterintuitive. When I'm down in a valley, I don't feel like worshiping. Yeah, I know. Nobody does. But you can worship your way out of the valley. That's a true statement. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's a true statement. You can worship your way out of the valley. In Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were arrested for preaching the gospel, they were thrown in prison. And what does the Bible say that they did? They worshiped the Lord. In the middle of their prison cell, they worshiped the Lord. And when they worshiped the Lord, God set them free. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it talks about the Moabites and the Ammonites coming to attack the people of Judah. King Jehoshaphat of Judah, what does he do? He inquires of the Lord, he seeks the Lord, and this is what he decides. We're going to go out and we're going to meet this threat, but in front of the Israeli army, we're going to put worshipers. We're going to lead with worship. It wasn't that he was thinking the worship team is expendable. They're not, all right? But he's like, we're going to put the worship team out in front. Why? Because if we lead with worship, God's going to take care of us. And God gave him the victory. In 2 Samuel 12, when David and Bathsheba lost their little infant baby, David wept, praying for that baby to survive, fasted. But when the baby died, David got up, broke his fast, and first thing he did was he went into the house of the Lord and he worshiped God. Now, his attendants questioned him. Why would you do that? Why You lost your baby. Why are you going to the house of God? Because here's what David knew. David knew that through worship, God will comfort my grief. 
See, you can worship your way out of the valley because God shows up in a wonderful way when we lift our praise to heaven. Worship the Lord. Oh, how happy. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Look at verse 5. Here's the second sub-point in verse 5. Blessed, or oh, how happy, are those whose strength is in you. The second sub-point here is lean on the Lord. You may not have the strength to help yourself. So lean on Him and seek His strength. This is what Paul realized, that he felt very weak. There was a time in 2 Corinthians, he talks about his own personal weakness. He said, I cried out to God. I asked Him to help me. I felt so weak, without strength. And he said in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, But he, that is God, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because he says, I know that in my weakness, God shows up. And he helps me. To be strong with his strength. That's why the psalmist says here they move from strength to strength. Doesn't that seem like a weird phrase there? But what he's talking about is they go from one point of God's strength to the next point of God's strength. God is faithful in that way. The other sub-point here is verse 12. It's the third time that the word blessed is used in verse 12. Where the psalmist says, O Lord Almighty, blessed or oh how happy is the man who trusts in you. So that's something important, too. We have to trust in the Lord. We have to trust Him. We have to wait upon Him. We have to rely on Him and trust Him. Psalm 91, 2 says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my strength, my God in whom I trust. And then finally, so we have three points here. Number one, we will not be in the valley forever. We will get through it. Number two, we bear some responsibility in making something better of our valley. And then these three sub-points. And then finally, number three, is God will help us in our valley. Because the last part of verse 6 says this. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. Talking about this valley. Let me read all of verse 6. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs And then he adds, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. Who brings the autumn rains? God does. God will help us in our valley. Psalm 46.1 says, God is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. God will also bring the refreshing autumn rains into a very dark and sorrowful place. He doesn't just leave it all up to us, say, why don't you just make springs out of your own valley? There is a part That is our responsibility. But the wonderful news is also that God is at work. He's the one who brings the autumn rains. He covers our valley with pools of refreshing. So that we might then be able to say, as the psalmist closes out this passage in verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. All this exuberance going up to the temple of the Lord. We are also on a pilgrimage that one day will end in the presence of the Lord. And along the way, there will be the valley of Baca. But God is faithful. And God will help us. 
as we worship him, as we lean on him, and as we trust him. Amen. Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day can be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, We'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each week. Or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.